You're listening to Sensitive Changemakers. This podcast is created for highly sensitive leaders and is designed to support you to embrace your strengths and gifts so you can feel more confident in your own mind and body and live a life with intention, purpose, and more importantly, joy. I'm your host, Kate Carter, a fellow HSP who has a BA Honours degree in education, is a fully trained and qualified professional coach and NLP practitioner, and has over 17 years of teaching and over three years of coaching experience supporting highly sensitive people. I believe that you can do anything you want to in this life, but that sometimes the path forward becomes muddy with self-doubt and fear of failure. It's my mission to help sensitive thought leaders peel away the self-doubt and stories holding them back, for them to see their own beauty and strength so they can increase self-confidence and self-trust through thought and embodiment work and see their path clearly and move forward confidently, living their life with intention and purpose. I would love for you to come and join us. Hello and welcome to Sensitive Changemakers. I hope you're well wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this. It is continually getting colder here and I am a complete wimp when it comes to the cold weather. So I have my Christmas blanket, I've had a hot tea. I am definitely wrapped up for the colder temperatures. So I hope you're nice and warm and cozy wherever you are. I really wanted to talk a little bit today about emotions because I feel this is a really important part of who we are as human beings. But I think it's also a part as highly sensitive people where we kind of pull back and you know, if we think about our childhood and what a lot of us learn in those really kind of formative years from like kind of naught to seven or eight, we learn a huge amount there and we're not really in a critical thinking stage. We're very much in a download stage. So we see things around us and we internalize them as truths. We get told things, we internalize them as truths. And so we don't really discern what, you know, we're not discerning. We're not really critical in, do we agree with that? Do we think that's right? It's very much just, that's the truth. And as highly sensitive people, we feel really deeply, you know, emotions are such a huge part of who we are as human beings anyway. But I think as highly sensitive people, we feel really deeply and we probably learned I know I did and I'll kind of delve in a little bit deeper about what I learned about myself but I'm sure you learned somewhere along the way that showing too much emotion or being too sensitive in inverted commas there meant that you couldn't fit in meant that you felt a bit of an outcast or a misfit or something wasn't you know you didn't get the you didn't get that feeling of belonging and Fitting in, feeling like you belong, those are very, very important parts of what makes us human. It's a real big drive. You only have to see, you know, my years of teaching, I see it in adolescent children all the time as they're making that transition from child to adult. One of the biggest things that happens to them is is that need to fit in. And they will end up following other people and doing things that, they don't necessarily agree with or that doesn't feel right for them because they want to fit in. That fitting in is such a huge part. And I don't want to underplay that because I think going back to these kind of 
showings or demonstrations of heightened emotions and feelings and if we learn somewhere along the way when we're a child that showing those emotions showing those feelings responding to external stimuli in a very emotional way is wrong somehow and it means we don't fit in with people or we don't belong in our social groups or our families or our friends then of course we learn to pull back we learn to hide that side of ourselves. we learn to push it down and I know kind of my own personal story and I'm I'm going to share it hopefully so that you can see a bit of yourself in it so that you can see that it's quite normal and kind of what you can do as a result of it so I had I had sort of panic attacks from early I think it was about seven or eight I thought it was nine or ten but it must have been earlier because it affected me more so in primary school and I left primary school when I was 10 so it must have been a lot earlier and I say that because that time of my life is very fuzzy um, because I was going through so, so much there are big black spots of just not remembering what was going on so that's why I'm saying it must be around about them. And um, one of the things that I always had from a child from a young, young age was I did have quite heightened emotions and big feelings to maybe small things that happen. So an example might be I get really excited. I've said this before, but I get really excited by views, by um trees by water by just things that astound me and I I just find it amazing and obviously when you're a child and everything's brand new these that was kind of even more exaggerated like this is amazing and so that was a positive side of things but on the negative side of things or more so on the negative side was you know if little things happened um that maybe other people were fine with I found really difficult and I you know reacted in the same way as though something was positive with a view but in a much more kind of um with a a negative stimuli if that makes sense and so I had all of that going on I had um at the time a really bad experience with a teacher at school who belittled how I was feeling at the time I don't there's no kind of blame there I think she was doing the best that she could do at that time with the information available. And remember, this was the 80s, so things were different back then. Um, And so I felt really ashamed of how I was feeling anyway. I felt ashamed of of showing my emotions, of telling people how I was feeling, of making it, of of talking about myself. I still have some of these things now, and I've worked to work really hard on them. Like sharing this on a podcast, I wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago because nobody wants to listen to me. That's really, you know, arrogant or narcissistic for me to talk about myself. Um, and so it's it it became a big shameful thing to show emotion. It became shameful to to react in an emotional way, to show my feelings. And so I learned to hide them. And actually, I think I became really really good at it unless I was close you know in a close-knit environment like my family where I felt safe I did come across as somebody quite unfeeling and cold and that wasn't who I was it was just I'd learnt from a very young age that you didn't show your feelings you didn't show the depth of them or how you responded to things and so I got really good at hiding them really good 
And I kind of just wanted to share that little bit of a story for, for you to see if there's anything in there where you think, actually, that really does resonate. I find that I have done that. Um, some of us don't actually kind of reflect either. You know, we're always in the doing or oh, what have I got to do next? It's always about moving forward and doing something new. We don't actually reflect on the journey that we've been through ourselves. And actually, are you hiding? You know, have you got really good? at downplaying your emotions have you got really good at hiding how you're feeling because at some point you were told that it it wasn't okay to show those feelings it wasn't okay to show those emotions and I have a huge I have a huge respect for emotions and feelings more so now than I think I've ever done and I want to kind of spend this time normalizing feelings normalizing emotions because they are a part of who we are they are what make us human it is so in it's such a part of us that it is so important that we embrace it. And one of the bits that when I first started on my journey, um, what are we on now? Sophie's eight. So it must be about seven years now. Um, Cause she was like my, my kind of turning point, if you like having Sophie and going through what I did with her. And for those people who don't know, she, we, went for our growth scan so if you're in the UK we do do two growth scans I know it's different for different countries you have one at 12 weeks and one at 20 weeks 12 weeks is just checking everything's okay generally you know two legs two arms brain heart all of that the 20 weeks is more detailed they go into more detail about the brain the heart um and obviously they check size and they could check the sex of the baby then as well 12 weeks was okay she was on the smaller side 20 weeks and it happened with jake as well jake was on the smaller side for both i had to have an extra scan with jake because he was small um but i managed to go full term with him he was a small baby when he was born um i think he was six pounds seven so he was small but i went to full term and he, it wasn't a problem and he got really chunky really quickly um sophie sophie was a 20-week scan we were told that she'd stopped growing, that she wasn't growing anymore. Um, so I had to have weekly checks with her. I had to go to the hospital every week and be like, just wired up to hear her heartbeat, to check her movement, to check her amniotic fluid, to check mine. Um, and it was just, so we knew that they were going to make her come early anyway. We were going to try and push it to 38 weeks. Um, I had the steroid injection in my bum which is still the most stinging painful <laughs> injection I think I've had because it's not just one of those where it injects and then the actual pain is in the actual injection it stings after it's it's not a pleasant one um, and that was to give her the strength in her lungs so that when she was born early she would be okay and that she wouldn't need support with breathing um, so that was a plan she was going to go we were going to go to 38 weeks you can imagine that you know me being highly sensitive as I am knowing that it's all on me and that nobody can help me with this and it was you know it was just a stressful situation and what happened was I'd just gone I'd taken Jake with me and Jake was four and a half just coming up to five at the time taking him with me because we must have been in the um in one of the holidays coming up to one of those for whatever reason, he came with me to the hospital for my one of my weekly checkups. And I said, don't worry, it'll only be 20 minutes, half an hour, and then I'll take you out. And I was going to take him out for um, something to eat and something to drink. Um, when we went in there, they weren't happy with her heartbeat. They said it was quite slow. Um, 
so they said she might be asleep so what we want you to do is go for a walk go and have something to eat go and have something to drink and then come back and do it all again and so that sort of you know created a little bit of anxiety in me bearing in mind that I was still very anxious at this point I, w- I was still having panic attacks it, those things haven't gone away I'd had those since I was as I said seven or eight years old um and I had Jake with me so I wanted to show him that everything was calm and it was okay so again what I did was I downplayed my emotions I kind of numbed myself um I completely disassociated and just went through the movements and bless Jake trying to talk to me and I was it was like nobody was at home um so we went and had some food came back and then her heartbeat was too fast and they weren't happy with the contrast and so they basically said look you're not going home until you've had her so we're admitting you into hospital um in which case I did I did lose it a little bit I did cry um because I had Jake and I didn't want Jake to be around that I didn't want him to to have to to experience that um anyway by the by she after being in hospital for nearly a week we came home she was born at 35 weeks they said she was only going to be three pound but actually she was four pound six I think um so she was tiny but she was healthy and because they'd given me that injection her lungs were okay um she didn't need to go to pre- prenatal or anything like that um she was she was actually tiny but perfect but that was a kind of turning point for me um because I had numbed myself and disassociated myself through most of my pregnancy with Sophie just to keep myself sane. Um, again, it was quite on a subconscious level. It wasn't something I was consciously doing. But looking back, that's what I did. When I had her and when other people could support me with her and it wasn't all on me, It's it took its toll in my body. And so I went into a really dark period about three, four months after I had Sophie. My panic attacks were completely out of control and that's when I said right things have got to change I can't keep doing this all of the time I have to change something um and that's when I started to get go on my sort of inner journey and learning about the brain learning about how trauma is held in the body um the somatic kind of side of things as well as the thought process of the mindset side of things as well and that's when I started to train and qualify in coaching and NLP did some CBT did some counseling as well um nothing that I could actually call myself a counselor or therapist but enough to understand what was happening with me it was for a very personal reason and one of the things that was really important that I learned was actually the power of the subconscious and that your subconscious will always keep you in alignment with who it believes you are and so this is why creating change and things like that could be really difficult because our subconscious will always bring us back to the known it will always try and bring us back to a conditioned state and it's how we navigate through that and it's how we kind of reassure those parts of us that moving forward and doing something different actually is okay but one of the ways that your subconscious kind of talks to you because it can't use language it doesn't know the difference between real and imaginary One of the ways that subconscious talks to you is through your feelings and your emotions. And so all of these years where I had disassociated, where I had pushed my feelings down, where I'd pushed them away, actually, I wasn't doing myself any favours there because I wasn't actually listening to what they were saying and looking at them as messengers. And that's really what supported me in the end was was getting curious with 
was spending some time actually listening to those emotions and sitting with those emotions, not trying to fix them, not trying to make them go away, not trying to push them down, but to actually just sit with them and think, okay, what is this telling me? Like, what is this that's coming up for me? Why is it there? What what message has it got to give me? And sometimes it was just a reminder to show myself a little bit of compassion and a bit, little bit of understanding. Sometimes they were there to remind me that I might need to course correct, that I wasn't doing something that was actually in alignment with my values and my strengths. Um, but actually the process of just sitting with those emotions and allowing them to be there again was a huge, a huge kind of turning point for me after so many years of, like I said, pushing them down. And I kind of want to invite you today to think about how this applies to you and how often do you actually just sit with your emotions, trying not to fix them, not trying to make them go away or for them to vanish, but actually just sitting with them and really allowing those parts of you or those emotions to tell you what they want to say. And it might be not, it might be something you know, fear-based, it might be something negative, it might be something that creates a lot of doubt or a lot of self-doubt. It doesn't mean, and I think this was the bit that I took a long time to understand when I started this work, just because those emotions are there and yes, they're telling you something and listening to them is really important, I think, and just giving you time to sit with them. But whatever comes up for you doesn't mean it's a truth. It doesn't mean it's a fact about you as a person or what you can achieve or what is possible for you. It's just a messenger that some part of you doesn't feel maybe comfortable, happy, um, okay with something at the moment in your life. And it's an opportunity for you to, to kind of nurture and reassure that part of you it doesn't mean that it's a truth so if something comes up and it's you know really quite negative and it's saying you can't do this it's a waste of time why are you doing this that doesn't mean that's true that's just a part of you that's really scared about moving forward or creating change or doing something different and that's okay you know and again it's it is about reassuring that part okay well how can I make it feel better is it about taking smaller steps is it about that what I'm trying to achieve change-wise or trying to do differently isn't quite in alignment with my values. Let's look at that again. Let's look at what is important to me and my priorities and does the change that I'm trying to create actually align with that? And so I'm hoping that kind of makes sense. So sitting with your emotions, normalizing that they're there, listening to them, and then realizing that whatever's coming up for you and sometimes some positive stuff will come up as well, which is good. But if they, you know, we are predominantly negative in our in our day to day, and that's again, it's a scale, isn't it? Some of us have quite a big negativity bias. Some of us don't, and we sort of veer towards the more positive. Wherever you are in that scale, negative things are going to come up, and that's okay. And listening to those and understanding the messages coming through for it but also realizing that it doesn't mean it's a fact it's not a truth it's just a part of us that's scared it's probably our subconscious for most of us trying to get us back into that conditioned state into a state where they know how to and I'm saying I'm personalizing now your subconscious but you know 
your subconscious, when it's in its conditioned pattern state, that's the known to them. It knows how to it knows how to kind of navigate through that. When we put change in the way, that's something new, and that's why it always tries to revert back because that's scary. And so, just allowing yourself to feel again, allowing yourself to normalize those emotions, listening to them, what are they saying, and then realizing that those aren't facts. And so, I hope that kind of makes sense. I would love to hear your take on this. If you've got a personal story about your kind of journey with emotions and how it feels for you I'd love to hear them and I'll be back next week with another episode before I do leave this is going to be coming out in December which I'm really excited about because it's my birthday month it's also the build-up to me doing some in-person sessions so as a celebration of my birthday and as a celebration of doing some in-person sessions from January in my local area in Ibstock I am discounting my sessions so my sessions range from they are more on the holistic side of things so I kind of combine the holistic therapy of NLP with coaching we do meditation as well because I think that's such a wonderful opportunity to listen to our bodies which you can get from this episode I think is really important and so everything is going to be discounted so it's 10 pound off absolutely everything each session and you can have one that is more coaching in its nature, which is very much solution focus, which is very much future focus, where we look at goals and things that you want to achieve and, and how we can break those down into, into kind of more small steps forward. You can have one of the more holistic sessions, which is where we combine the thought work, which we've been talking about today. So much more of the thought work and that somatic work with meditation, with NLP. So looking at the language that you're using, how you're talking to yourself and that inner dialogue and how that's really impacting on your emotions and your behaviors and your actions and how we can start to internally shift that so that you can see shifts in your external world. Um, so those are more holistic. And I do include meditation into those as well, just to kind of get you to embed what we've been doing. And also as an opportunity just to get you to kind of reflect on what we're doing in the moment and just check in. Does this feel good? How would you like to move forward? Um, and so, yes, if you're interested, that is online and in sessions. So if you want to, if you're local to Ibstock or local to Leicestershire, you can book an in-person session starting from January and they're all discounted for the months of December and January. So you can either pre-book or have a session in January. And then the online sessions are the same. Again, they are discounted for the month of December and January. So please do have a look at the links in the show notes. I would love to support you in your journey. Um, it really is my biggest passion in life. So please do reach out if you have any questions or you would like more information. And I'm sending you lots and lots of love. And I'll be back next week, guys. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have any takeaways or any questions, please do reach out to me either through Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook at Kate Carter Coaching or you can email me at kate at katecarter.co.uk. I always love to hear your feedback and the things that you have taken from the podcast. If you know of any other highly sensitive people, then please do share this so that I can reach more and support more highly sensitive people to embrace their strengths and gifts. 
As a thank you, I will pick a winner every month for a free 50-minute coaching session with me. Thank you so, so much.